Welcome to Transformative Talk, Critical Conversations for Teachers. I'm Dr. Zid Haddad, a professor of instruction within the Department of Interdisciplinary Learning and Teaching at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I teach undergraduate and graduate courses in curriculum and instruction. In short, I teach teachers how to teach and save lives through the use of critical multicultural education as an approach to teaching and learning. Our podcast is produced by a different group of graduate students each week, giving them an opportunity to talk about what they're reading in my class, what they experience in the field, and how that impacts their own lives and understandings. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast from wherever you're listening. Also, you can ask us questions and engage with us further using the Anchor.fm website or the Anchor.fm app on your phone. You can submit questions and you can also send us voice messages. And remember, please share our podcast on all your socials so that we can build our audience. Thanks for listening and here's today's episode. Okay, so this is Emily Haley and Kalena, your host for this episode of Transformative Talk. In this episode, we are going to talk about secondary education history and its purpose for students. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, we saw the end of the People's College as educational leaders look towards preparing students for jobs and college. The Committee of Ten met in 1882 to create a plan to reform secondary education with this goal in mind. They discussed the purpose of secondary education. Its purpose was to standardize secondary education and establish a uniform curriculum across the country. A majority of the report was designed with the assumption that secondary schools wanted to prepare students for college. And even if that assumption were true, the suggestions made by the committee were based on outdated suggestions outdated understandings of what expectations we have for secondary and post-secondary learners. The report made suggestions very similar to the Yale report. It did not offer any real solutions, but instead made assumptions that the schools were doing certain things and based on their suggestions on these assumptions, which were disconnected from the reality of the majority of students. When discussing this topic with our peers, they asked, what's the goal of education? To prepare students for college, good citizenship, or for business? What are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, one of the big conversations with um, one of the, the group that proposed that question um, was really just trying to narrow down because the chapter fo- the chapters focus so much on vocational schooling and manual schooling, are we trying to get kids ready for, you know, the workforce or, you know, it had a high focus on citizenship. Are we trying to, you know, make these outstanding citizens that fall under this whole checklist of what that might look like? Um, And, you know, a big, um, I guess, push from the group was that they felt that the purpose was to expand on culture and language and to build that diversity in students before they did start going to society, which I agree with because, you know, in schooling, especially when you think of smaller schools where it is a smaller population of students that most likely have classes with the same kids over and over and over again, if you're not exposing them to that culture and language and diversity um, through whether it be, you know, mentor, mentor text or just, um, you know, critical media literacy, whatever it might be, then they're 
going to be, you know, almost culture shocked when they step outside of the school and move into a different platform, whether that's, you know, a university or um, just workforce in general. That actually, the culture shock happened a lot in Bernie and with our students here, because even the teacher would tell us, you know, you guys are in the Bernie bubble. As soon as you leave and graduate, it's going to be completely different. I think I was okay because I came from California where we had different cultures at my school, where in Bernie, we had maybe one or two different. And so going into college without that preparation, it's like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to interact with other people? I found it interesting that the committee of 10 were so focused on preparing kids for college because back then it wasn't like a guarantee that you were going to college like it is now. It's changed so much that you're almost almost a huge population of students are going into college because that value of a high school degree has decreased. I think it has as well, but I think too, like another notion that I I forget while I'm reading these chapters is that, you know, it is based in the late 1800s, 1900s, and, you know, college was free at one point. So why would you not prepare them for college when you're not having to, you know, fork out thousands and thousands of dollars to pay this tuition, whereas now, you know, high school has really lost a lot of its value um, because a lot of professions, I know right now, I'm personally um, job searching. And the first thing I ask is, what's your education? What do you got? Did you go to a four-year university? What did you major in? How is that going to benefit you? And so everyone is looking for that college degree. Now, having said that, there's also the trade schools. Um, you know, like my fiance, for instance, is a um, crane mechanic, and he went to the trade school in Waco. And um, But even then, it's still moving out of that high school position and moving into a university setting. Um, so I agree. I do think that high school has lost a lot of its credibility. And I feel like they try to bring that back through the CTE, CTE courses. Um, and, you know, in our last class, we were continuing our talk about Committee of 10. And one of the things that we were talking about on that as well is, you know, one of the great days things about being in the 2000s is through the CTE courses, students are getting the chance to get certifications. You know, maybe it's CNA nursing and they're being able to jump right into the workforce right after because for some students, they have to move into the workforce right after if they're not already part of the workforce in high school. Okay, so you bring up the and I have, it feels like the purpose of high school shouldn't necessarily be to prepare students for a job because then that's almost like a factory where we just send them in and send them right out to the workforce neoliberalism at its finest what are your thoughts do y'all think that that should be the main goal of high school I think it should be one of the goals if that's what the student wants but there are some students that go in and I want to go to college or I want to join the military or whatever and so I think it should be where the students get to choose their path and if they want to change it they should be allowed to change it because everybody changes their mind what they say freshman year may not be the same come senior year 
but I don't think it should be one like tunnel where they have to everybody in high school has to get a job after school after they graduate or everybody who graduates high school has to go to college they need the options yeah I agree there should be a way to prepare them in high school for a multitude of jobs not just a single one yeah but then that kind of comes back are we still preparing them for the job course because you know essentially essentially you are whether it's medical whether it's you know engineering whether it's um you know working in food safety whatever it might be people unfortunately have to work because we live in a capitalist um nation where the world revolves around money and people have to work and it's just it's just the reality of it I feel like and do I think the main purpose of high school is to create the workforce no um but I think it does need to provide the tools necessary for a student to be successful, whether it be they're going to a university first to then move into the workforce, or it be that they're trying to move into the workforce directly. Um, you know, one of our peers had talked about how um, when she began schooling, and I'm not sure what context she was discussing, whether it was in high school or when she started moving towards the university. Um, but she talked about how she kind of started with vocational skills first in her education and how um, she felt like it really helped her to build those quote unquote real life skills. Um, and it helped her, you know, be a little more adaptable. It helped her provide for herself before moving into those professional academic skills. Um, I feel that I personally was very similar just because I always had a job in high school. Um, once I graduated from high school, I had a year gap before going to a university where I simply just worked for a year to be able to um, go to UTSA and be able to support myself. And then I worked all through my undergrad and I've worked all through my graduate courses right now. And I think that goes for a lot of college students. Yes, there are the students, um, that have the means where they don't have to work um but a lot of them still do just to get that experience um and that you know shadowing of whatever profession it is that they're moving into because again once you move out of the university and you do move into the workforce eventually employers are going to be looking for that you know if you pull up your resume and say you've just been doing school for the past 20 years of your life you're going to say well then where's that real life where's that vocational that's what my brother's dealing with right now. He just graduated with his business degree, but has no business experience. And that's not what they're looking for anymore. They, they want that experience. I think it's hard. I have a, right. I have a friend who just graduated from UTSA from the engineering program. And, but she's not worked at all. Um, not through high school, not in college. And she doesn't have any shadowing experience and, you know, she's asked me to help her kind of build her resume. Um, but it's been hard, you know, even like myself, like trying to help her. And I have made a plethora of resumes. Um, but, you know, I personally have always had the work experience and those skills that I've actually applied um, that someone else can speak for outside of myself. Um, and I think that's just like another thing, too, is the accountability piece. Like, sure, you went to college, you got this four-year degree, but 
you know, how are you, how is an employer um, supposed to know that you truly, you truly worked through all of that degree, if that makes sense? Yeah. Like that you've truly yeah. grasped all the content. Like, it's one thing, you know, like in our courses, it's, it's one thing to understand theory. It's another thing to actually be able to apply it in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe putting internships in high school might be helpful so they can get that experience, but it's through school and that might help alleviate. Cause I know in my high school in like 2013, they had it to where if students wanted to, they could get a job and take a uh, period off and go work at their job. And I know for the medical thing, they actually, during school, they would go to different doctor's offices or they would go to uh, different, uh, what is it called? Like one person worked for the EMS. So they got that real life experience, but they were still going to school for it Right. in high school. Well, and I think too, you know, because I, I was about to mention that as well as that like workforce program in high school. And um, we had a very similar setup in Hondo when I went to high school um, and they still have it as well. And I know lots of schools have incorporated that now as well. Um, but, you know, even in college, I wish there were more opportunities. I feel like um, being in the teacher undergraduate program. Um, at UTSA, we got so many field work experience by getting to go to these schools and actually apply. Like I went to, I don't know, six to eight different schools during my time in undergrad and then got a whole year in a classroom where I got to teach and essentially take over the class for the teacher. Um, and, you know, we got so much hands-on experience, but that's not said for every other um you know, discipline out there. You know, I started as a biology major when I started at UTSA and I did not have those experiences. It was very much you're in either the lab or you're reading your textbook and if you want those experiences and you're going to have to go reach out yourself and get that done. Whereas, you know, in our teacher certification program, it was built in to our learning. Um, and I think that's a beautiful piece that I wish was built in more readily throughout, you know, the university if it doesn't offer that are we really preparing students for the workforce or are we just preparing them for academics yeah I know at UTSA their anthropology program they have field work and they have where you can go do these different things but it costs a lot of money just to go and do it and so a lot of people, like I wasn't able to go, and some of it's traveling to Belize or, or somebody went to Ireland or South America. It's like, not everybody can afford that. Not everybody has a passport. And so it's not giving a fair playing field for everybody. If it was like, if they had different field schools here in like San Antonio, you know, it would be easier. I agree. And I think um, a lot of that conversation also kind of tied around, you know, our discussion of um, magnet schools and what their purpose and what that looks like. 
Um, but we are going to take a little short break. Um, and then when we come back, we're going to be discussing the role of women in secondary education and the conversation that occurred um, on that topic. Hey, it's Dr. Haddad. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transformative Talk. If you like what you hear, please make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a message or send us a comment on the website. We look forward to hearing from you all. And thanks again for listening to Transformative Talk. Welcome back to this week's Transformative Talk. This is Emily, Haley, and Kalena, your hosts. In our class discussion, Group 5 brought up the following quote for discussion. Herp says, in 1904, female students accounted for 58.2% of the public secondary school population. The commissioners suggested that these young women should be prepared in school to earn a respectable living wage, reflecting then-current notions of appropriate female employment. They added that the attempt should be made to fit her, the student, so that she can add so that she can and will enter those industries which are most closely allied to the home. They emphasized homemaking as that vocation in which all other vocations have their root and asked that instruction be given in the laws of sanitation, in the purchase, preparation, and care of food, and in the care of children, that the home may be a home and not merely a house. So based off of that quote and other aspects of this, readings, group six posed this question. What is the psychological impact of being a girl within secondary education in this time period, knowing that your attendance is consistently unwanted? So what do you guys think about that? Um, well, first off, just to note, this was a very hot topic among our um, very much woman-dominated peers. Um, and but what I keep going back to is during that time period, you know, that was what was, you know, quote unquote expected from women. That was the norm was for the woman to be home taking care of the children. Um, and that was how the professional industry was set up as well. You know, there weren't a lot of professions that were necessarily appropriate for women. Having said that, um, there also were jobs such as being doctors or lawyers or any profession, honestly. Um, and, you know, having the mindset that we do today that a woman can do anything a man can do, if not better, um, in my own personal opinion. Um, but, you know, for that time period, I felt that it was appropriate, but it was not sustaining. Um, necessarily, and that it was not allowing the opportunity for women to move outside of that um, initial ideology that women are at home um, with the kids all the time. I was shocked to hear that 58% of the population was women in secondary school. I thought it would be lower. Well, yeah. and I think too, like a big portion of that is like that mindset of wanting to be like, okay, wait, now that the workforce is starting to become such, you know, um, a large piece, you know, there's this big boom of industry happening at that time period. Um, when we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, 
I don't want to be home all day. Like I can, I can do that. I can do what they're doing. Like, why can't I go out and make my own meat? Um, and so I think that was like a big push. Like this was their first chance as women to get out of the home, to get out of that role of being just a pure mother and wife. And then they um, only to realize that the courses they're offered are made for them to go back to the home. That's so yes. yeah, that's where I really struggle with it. It's because like, yes, you know, being the wife and the mother was, you know, the ideology at that time. But, you know, now we've got the school that women can go to and they can tend and they can be present with their male peers and um they're just doing everything else that they most likely already know how to do you know that they already you know I think of myself like my mom taught me how to cook she taught me how to sew she taught me how to you know clean the house and how to host people and I didn't need to go to school for that and I can guarantee most of those women going to that secondary education already had a pretty substantial knowledge of what it looks like to be a homemaker yeah and at first their uh schooling with uh the women's and men's schooling were very similar, but then once they realized, hey, more women are coming here, we need to change it. So they made it to where home ec was what the vacation that the women had to do. So, and then this can also be seen in today's society. A lot of what's happened back there is starting to happen here, where at like UTSA, a lot of the liberal arts, which are technically women dominated are going down and more of the male dominated fields are going up and getting more money and more grants and with the science and engineering and business so what do you guys feel about that just you think we're repeating history look at education i always said that if it was a male dominated field we would never be paid the way we're paid it's yeah, our salary so lower because it is a few fem- a female dominated field and it always I has never thought of it like that mm-hmm. well and additionally like you know you think too you know going off what you said is like in that time period you know like they wanted women to go to school because they needed teachers right mm-hmm. they need yeah. that's not a man's job that's a woman's job like we don't need mm-hmm. men taking care of these kids all day that's a woman's job so we need women to go to school to be teachers and they relied very heavily on these private institutions to supply their teachers for the common and people schools. And they didn't um, want them teaching the like secondary and collegiate level. They wanted them to go oh, back to the common schools of the first seven years. Right, yeah. right. So then a lot of their schooling as well was just back on that basic, you know, elementary mm-hmm. ideas of how, what it is, making sure they have a solid foundation in that. I don't know that it was necessarily how to teach it per se. Um, just because, you know, not to jump back to the committee of 10, but that there wasn't really, you know, a dialogue as far as like what curriculum looked like per se, um, as a lot of interpretation. Um, but you know, it's back to making sure they just had that general basic understanding of academia themselves. Um, which again, they most likely already have. And so, you know, is it even benefiting them to go into secondary education outside of the fact that they're women getting to go to secondary education? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. 
And you bring up the committee of 10, and I think it's important to note that there was only one female on that committee, and she was in charge of like the household section of education. So really, when they were reforming secondary education, they weren't really offering any suggestions beyond what a white male expected. Right, right. So having said all that, home ec is still very much relevant in, you know, modern day high school schooling. Um, and, you know, I myself took home ec and I took child development and there's still these classes and these culinary classes being offered in high schools. They're not necessarily required in the same manner that it was required um, back in the 1900s but they're still present. Um, what do y'all think about as far as how maybe home ec has changed the scope of home ec as far as, you know, it preparing you to be a mother and wife um, over it maybe preparing you for a workforce in home ec? So in my school, we actually had a lot of men doing the home ec classes. We had restaurant management. We had a regular food course we had child development and so I think at least where I went to school it kind of prepared everybody for it and but with that being said I think a lot of the men took it as oh this is going to be an easy a rather than oh I want to learn these skills like I did so I think that was like we still have that oh men don't need to know all this stuff because a wife will take care of it kind of mentality. I found it so interesting in class when Raider and Sylvia were talking about how homework was required when they were in high school because for me when I was in high school it was an elective. I never took homework. The only thing that we had required was health. So it's just how much has changed in just, just the last 20 years of the 1900s? Right, and I think, you know, moving into the 2000s is where we're really seeing a lot of change. Is it a substantial amount of change? I would argue that it's not, um, but the change is happening. Um, slowly, 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 but surely. Um, and I think a lot of that is just the advocation for it, you know, you know, homework being a requirement. And I was curious, I don't know that we specifically asked um, Sylvia's group about it, um, but I wonder if homework was only required for the woman or if it was required for every student, like if that was a course for every student. I would assume that it would be required for every student because it was late 1900s. Um, but I would be curious to know that, you know, we don't know for certain. Um, but I do have to say, you know, even in, you know, thinking about more rural towns, such as where I'm from, um, a home ec, our home ec classes, our child development, were very heavily women populated. Um, and yes, there were a few men in there, um, but like Haley was saying, a lot of it was because it was a quote unquote easier class to be taking um, compared to some of the counter elected electives we had available, um, which were very minimal since we are a smaller school. So there was not a whole lot of option. 
Um, having said that, there's still a lot of, you know, traditional, um, traditional ways of thinking um, in the population, you know, like, for example, like my fiance and I, I very much do all the quote unquote womanly duties, you know, I do all the cooking, I do all the cleaning, I do all the household chores, whereas he goes out and does all the outdoor work, more of the physical, um, heavier things that are quote men jobs. Um, but having said that, it's much more of a partnership now than how it was viewed in the 1800s, in the 1900s, when this text was um, looking at the history of that schooling. And like, well, yes, I did choose to take those courses, and many people choose to take those courses. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's preparing someone to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, and you know, like you're saying, like there's some schools that provide that culinary track where people, where students can actually be um, certified in their food handler safety um, and actually be able to be, you know, ready to move into whether it be a culinary school that they want to move into, or if it's you know culinary um, workforce that they want to move into, but it's preparing them for that. Um, instead of necessarily preparing for the house yeah yeah i know when I did child development it was 2011 2012 around there and the videos that we were shown were from like the 70s and 80s and so it's like that's not how it always works now you know so but going back to the requirements of home ec, i remember because i spent a whole four months in Arizona during seventh grade. And it was actually required to take a home ec class where you spent one semester doing the cooking and like one doing like the life skills. So that was an actual requirement for every student. But when I moved here, they had a class in middle school called life skills and it was an elective, it wasn't a requirement. So I think it's also based on where you're located also. if you're interested in this topic to learn more read the once and future school by jurgen first that's all for this episode thanks for listening and remember if you want to support what we do then share subscribe and leave a review wherever you discover our show that's all for now but we'll see you in the next episode of transformative talk